Welcome to the Woman Who Rubs the Mountain podcast, a gathering place for conversations about ecological embodiment and intimacy with place. I'm your host, Kendra Ward, acupuncturist and land alchemist, currently living on traditional Abenaki land in what is now called Vermont. In these explorations, we wonder... What happens when we rub on the body of the earth? How does the earth brush back against us? Waking up from a great forgetting, these inquiries bring us to the fluid interfaces of human body and land body. Along the way, it's my hope that we diversify our sense of relational kinship, discover creative disruptive ways of living beyond our human-centric tendencies, and make wide space for a new, old, earth-honoring culture to reemerge. Because in these joy-soaked but bleak times, falling in love with the land and the beings where we live is truly the basis of healing and reconciliation, a resistance against ecocide, and the special work of our human hearts used well. My guest today is Jen Hudzik, a certified ancestral lineage repair practitioner, end-of-life doula, educator, ritualist, and firewalk instructor. As an animist, she spent decades integrating earth-honoring practices with her former Catholic upbringing, while reviving the traditions of her European ancestors. She tends traditional Abenaki land in New Hampshire and offers online private sessions, rituals, education, and group circles. Jen holds relationality at the heart of her practice and passionately supports others to reclaim their intuitive capacities, engage with their ancestors, find peace with mortality, and prepare for the threshold of death. So the last time Jen was on the podcast was in December of 2022. And at that time, we talked about radical introspection the deep rest of the season, normalizing death, and other themes related to winter. She also led us through a beautiful winter solstice meditation at that time, and I received rave reviews on that episode, so it seemed only natural to invite Jen back again, this time to celebrate the summer solstice. So the themes of this current episode are just all about the freedoms of summer, the elemental energy of fire, the energetics of our hearts and the heart field, deepening into a sense of intimacy with place and embracing sensuality beyond sex, immersing ourselves in a bath in a wash of sensory pleasure, letting our whole bodies come alive through the earth's touch. So I hope that this episode stirs your heart and listen all the way to the end to hear Jen's beautiful guided solstice meditation. Well, welcome everyone. And before we begin, I'd love to just give thanks and acknowledge the earth and the larger land spirits, the geographies, temporal and ever-shifting the vast, sacred, mysterious intelligences that have been here long before us and will be here long after us. Giving thanks for the spirits of the mountains and meadows, the waterways and clouds of our local landscapes. So just taking a moment to feel into and connect with the land wherever we are allowing the old spirit and wide resonances to rise up into the room with us, into our hearts, into this conversation, 
into our speaking and our listening. So I am so excited to explore the summer solstice themes of this year, the fire element and heart energy. And if you're not in the Northern Hemisphere, you might just either take a listen and absorb this all in for when you get to that time of the year, or you might just return to this episode at your summertime. So let's begin with just tuning into the unabashed sensuality that summer brings, the skin of the earth and the skin of our bodies, skin on skin, and fruit sticky and sweet dripping down our chins, being able to peer into the erotic inner worlds of flowers, and once again being blessed by the, the fresh, luscious smells of basil. I kind of wait for that, that one in particular all year round. Um, opening of pea pods and our pores and our windows. So just taking a moment of gratitude for the way all of this is rising up through the land. And I am wondering, Jen, what does your body know of summer right now? What kinds of sensorial pleasure is the living world seducing you with lately? Yeah. Mm, thank you so much for this question. It's already delicious. <laughs> um, so really what my body knows of summer, especially here in New England, is liberation. My body loves being liberated, um, especially from the confines of the layers and layers of winter clothing and the flood of sensations that comes from skin to skin contact with the world. So I really appreciate summer as a liberating cycle in my life. Um, the exhale of wind on my skin and the penetrating heat of the sun through my bones, the caress of grass across my legs, all of this screams liberation to my body. Um, and for the past year, I have had a love affair with swimming. And so our family is fortunate to spend part of the winter in a warmer climate and just feeling myself submerged in the element of water stimulates and regulates my nervous system. And um, obviously the sensation of being weightless is just one part of this equation, but then also tapping into those nuances of swimming um, feeling the air bubbles rushing past my skin or really tapping into the rhythm of my breath. It's, it's like a full sensory buffet for me. Um, so yeah, really just the, the liberation of less clothing and really um, deepening into relationship with the element of water. Mm, that is right. That is luscious. Water is just has this ability to, take us elsewhere. Do you have much experience with any wild swimming? Wild swimming. So I don't, how would we interpret that? <laughs> like, oh, like ponds and rivers and, you know, oh. non-chlorinated waterways. Oh, yes, 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 absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I have a very deep fear and respect of the ocean and mm -hmm. I do swim in the ocean um, and I, and I joke with my family, you know, who gets nervous when I'm out in the water and I say, don't worry, it looks like I'm swimming deeply, but I'm actually just two feet mm -hmm. like above the surface, mm -hmm. um, because of that fear of respect. But yeah, it's wild being in the, you know, being in the waters of this beautiful womb of the mother ocean and taking in her salt and her movement and, um, yeah, being with her living creatures is really quite something. Mm, yeah, I start to, I start to itch a little bit when it's been too long. <laughs> like it, submerging in the ocean, in particular, yes, um, is a very, very special experience. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, um, since the theme of the podcast is intimacy with place. 
it feels like a really perfect moment to highlight pleasure as a gateway to presence with the living world. So the pleasure of loving and being loved back by all of life. And it feels kind of ironic that in this world where there's so many surface pleasures, so many comforts, so many ways to distract and numb out with pleasure in a sense, um, that a deeper kind of pleasure asks us to go like hone in with our attention to praise all the gorgeousness around us. So I thought that we would maybe tune into this a little bit more, the pleasure as an essential earth honoring skill for co-creation. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think that one thing that I'd like to explore just for a moment is um, the words intimacy and pleasure from my background and my uh, point of view. So some people, myself included, have had you know a bit of a rough journey with these concepts and the expressions of intimacy and pleasure. And so my first thought is how intimacy and pleasure have been co-opted by our hypersexualized culture. And I know that for me growing up in the United States and also being raised Catholic really did a number on the idea of being intimate and experiencing pleasure in my life. So along my healing journey, I was fortunate to have a mentor who really helped to shift my negative indoctrination of intimacy from solely meaning sexual intimacy with another person to intimacy starting first and foremost with myself. And she would say the word intimacy breaks down into, into me, I see. And I don't know if she coined that phrase or where it came from, but it was, it was really, really um, influential to me. And so this really broadened my idea of one part of what intimacy encompasses, while at the same time, it was unraveling some of the twisted cultural layers of my indoctrination. And so the same actually was true for me as well with the concept of pleasure. Pleasure simply means enjoyment, satisfaction, um, or feeling pleased. But growing up, I equated it only with sexuality. And as a woman, I held this deep-seated belief that pleasure was not meant for me in any capacity. That pleasure was actually something that I was expected to provide because I had a seed of object objectification planted in me. So what allowed that seed to transform and blossom into something healthy and beautiful was when I developed a conscious relationship with the divine feminine. And you and I have talked about the divine feminine before. Um, but just bringing my awareness to the goddess within is what really shifted my relationship to pleasure. And there's a poem slash adapted song by Doreen Valiente, which was adapted uh, adapted by Starhawk called The Charge of the Goddess. And I'm sure you're familiar with it and maybe some of your listeners um, but there's one line where the divine feminine says, quote, let my worship be in the heart that rejoices for behold, all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. And just saying that gives me absolute chills. Um, and I appreciate this phrase so much because it's a reminder to me that pleasure is a gift. And when we embody the divine feminine, we can see pleasure as an act of ritual. So I just wanted to share this because part of fully engaging um, in intimacy and pleasure with the world around us, I think also includes exploring these concepts with the world within us. And I absolutely love the picture that you paint of pleasure as loving and being loved back by all of life. I really, really appreciate that quote. Um, and your statement really goes to the heart of pleasure being an essential skill for honoring the earth and being a co-conspirator in all of our awakenings 
And so with these essential components within a deeper animist earth honoring practice, they bring deeper levels of relationality to the web that we're a part of. So when we develop and live from a healthy reprogrammed definition of what pleasure is, we really do engage in this radical co-creative process of redefining relationship. And just to name that relationships are not just limited to humans, you know, of course, we can relate to the stamen of a flower, to the moss on a rock, to the ant hauling sand to make a hill. So recognizing the potential to relate to each of these things and then taking the time to receive the pleasure that they offer us, whether it's a laugh, a loving sigh, a moment of peace, this is truly earth honoring. And also I would argue a form of activism as we buck the systems that want to keep us disconnected and complacent. Mm, well, thank you so much for that, the framing, like the, you know, the tuning in within yourself first and thinking about how in whatever relationship we're in, human or more than human beings around us, that oftentimes we're bringing our challenges to all of those relationships. So, you know, a fear of asking for help with other humans, and we bring that also to the more than human beings around us as well, that it's continually tuning into the the roots of how we're relating. It it has an echo everywhere in our lives for sure. So mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's it's healthy to be aware of that, you know, mm-hmm. the demands we put on ourselves or other people. You're right, how we bring that to all of our other relationships and um yeah, it's it's part of this this co-creative process of learning and exchanging and being in in relationship and having these symbiotic um experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to just tune in a little bit more, kind of expanding on loving and being loved, tuning into the heart and the fire element a little bit more. So according to East Asian five element cosmology, the fire element and heart energy are the rulers of summertime. So this is really where we are kind of smack dab in that right now. So first, I just like to take a moment to honor fire and the way it brings life and animation to our bodies. In East Asian medicine um, philosophy, you know, our bodies are made up of all these little pilot fires that all talk to each other. So that feels, you know, the, the way that fire sparks all of that. Also, the way it sparks our passions and our, our action within the world. So I'm curious about your work as a fire walk instructor and just what you've learned personally from fire over the years as a ancestor, as an elemental energy, as a a physical force, a heat, you know, all all of it, everything and beyond. Yeah. Thank you so much for this question. Um, I could speak to fire for days and days and days. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those topics that just unravels and um, turns itself inside out. So I will be brief. (laughs) Um, But first and foremost, I want to say that it's just such an honor to be a firewalk instructor. And it's really important to me to name my, my elder and Sousa who has crossed over. Um, and the Sundor School of Firewalking for cultivating my skill set as a facilitator. Um, yeah, there's just so much to say. I over the past over this winter, I taught an elemental intelligence series, and um, it was challenging to speak to each element with just in, within a two-hour window of time because the elements are so timeless and ancient. Mm-hmm. Um, What I love so much about working with all of the elements in ritual is that they give us an opportunity to stretch ourselves in very challenging ways. They hold this paradox 
of being both tender teachers and radical reformists. So as a firewalk instructor, I work in the radical aspect of the ritual arts. Um, and every single moment, fire commands my attention. And it just has that effect on us. You know, when we, when we gather around a fire or we light a candle, it's mesmerizing. Um, and so it really does captivate our attention and it's the recipient of our intentions. And it is the elemental energy of the spirit realm it is the place of our ancestors, and it represents passion and vision and intuition. So working with the fire ritual connects us to, you know, all of these aspects and also our ancestors in various ways. Um, so when you look at fire walking around the world, it has been around for thousands of years cross-culturally. So whether walking the hot coals or jumping over a small ritual fire, you know, we're replicating the same actions as our ancestors with similar intentions. And so there's that imprint. And we really have this natural um, ancestral memory and a desire, I think, within our bones to commune with fire. It's primal. Our relationship and our desire to be with fire is so primal. It's just our brains <laughs> that that makes fear of getting intimate with fire sort of the block for us. Um, so I enjoy so many parts of the fire walk ritual, but there is this one moment that I just want to take a second to describe. And it's when each person steps forward and they're standing at the end of a pathway of glowing coals. And you can see them go deep inside themselves in that moment as they're getting ready to step forward. And they're really at the precipice of a portal that has been opened for them into an arch uncharted realm. And there's this question that emerges, who is going to help you make it through this portal of fiery coals to the other side? Are you going to go it alone or are you going to invoke the people in your lineage who know fire intimately? And there's this invitation here to ask for support while merging with an element that will cleanse and purify anything within that needs to be transmuted. And so with that first step onto the coals, they become one with the fire and their ancestors are the ones who birth them on the other side of that fiery pathway. And so I just wanted to just describe that moment because it's so poignant to observe people's development and their uh, development into their relationships with, into their own relationship with fire. Um, as a physical force, working with fire is like working, I think, with a wild horse. <laughs> it is both unpredictable and it's fluid. It's calm one moment and it could be completely out of control another moment. And I love its unpredictability because it asks us to be committed to it and it demands our full dedication. Um, and in the Dagara tradition, of which I have been initiated as an elemental diviner, fire also has some cultural implications. And so a culture with an excess of fire is obsessed with speed and violence and consumption. And so obviously the U.S. is very much a culture that's on fire. So part of the antidote to calm the cultural flames of fire is to really work with the element of earth to ground out these qualities. And then also to bring in the element of water to help move the emotions that arise from um, being very aware that these qualities do exist in our culture. So I so appreciate that fire has like, is, it has a personal implications and it also has cultural implications for us. 
We can feel in this fire elemental season that we are blossoming, we're growing, we're expanding, we're at the peak. So in the in the five element cosmology, you know, we're at the very, the top of the top, the most young of young. And so this also relates to our heart's sense of relational intimacy. And I hope that everyone right now, just tuning into your body felt sense, like just taking a moment to tune into your body and just get a sense of why the heart is the resonance of this season. Um, you know, why, why heart and not you know, stomach or something. Um, I, I think that if you if you listen, if you into it, it, it will it will make some sense. So I feel, Jen, that you have these special insights into the realm of the heart, just by the nature of the work that you do uh, as an end of life doula, holding space for both the wintering of our lives and also the blossoming of our lives, which are entirely interdependent with each other. So, you know, back to this idea in uh, five element or East Asian medicine philosophy, kidney energy um, is the other side of the axis of heart energy. So kidney energy relates to the water element, the winter time, um, and then heart relates to the fire element at summertime. And so, you know, feeling into the wisdom of why it's only with the deep rest of winter um, that the seed is able to lie dormant so that then it's able to do that full on summertime flowering. So, you know, just tuning in here to some more heart specific wonderings for you. Um, and, and, you know, heart, I just want to say heart, bring your, you know, B-Y-O-B in terms of bring your own belief here as you're listening, you know, tuning into heart in its multiplicity, you know, heart as an energy center, heart as your, as this beautiful beating tissue within you. So, you know, also tuning into heart <clears throat> as having the strongest electromagnetic field in our body, that it's 60 times greater in amplitude than the fields of our brains. So, we also know that electromagnetic fields are not unique to humans, that all of life, including the earth herself, have electromagnetic fields. So I think that this is, you know, really easy to understand through looking at a flower as we're beginning to better understand that flowers are not just attracting bees by their colors and their smells, but also by their electromagnetic fields. So I personally find it super exciting when we start to tune into how our fields and the fields of other beings around us come into coherence with each other. You know, and I think that this is when we stop thinking about an electromagnetic field as something mechanistic. Um, you know, we might even just by the term of it, think about it like it's a stiff bubble or something. But instead, you know, allow the boundaries of that, the, the further mysteries of that to come forward. Secret mergings start to present themselves in our environment around us. But it's all about, you know, having our hearts be practiced enough as a sensory organ to start to notice these mergings. So I'm curious you know, in terms of thinking about the the heart coherence with other beings, and this is once again just one single way of of tuning into this, but perhaps it relates to why we feel so good when we wholeheartedly connect with another being, and you know, it makes me makes me remember that this the first person that we had this kind of coherence with was our our mother in in the womb, so. You know, just just curious to kind of tune into that a little bit further with you, um, thinking about heart coherence and, um, you know, I like sometimes, I, you know, it's like, why does it feel so good to tune into a flower right at its peak? Right outside, I have, you know, peonies, they're just starting to open. And there's something about when you're taking a moment longer than just the five seconds as you pass it, you know, to go into the house, but instead 
to just really start to move into that space of coherence instead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's fascinating. I didn't know that our brains, um, you know, that our hearts emitted that much amplitude, you know, in relation to our brains. And um, yeah, it's 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 interesting that you mentioned this, you know, the peonies and they're outside your door and taking a moment um, because I also have an experience of this connection right now of being pulled into this magnetic field um, of the small shrub that I have in front of our yard and it's called a Carol Mackey. Mm. And there's just these tiny little clumps of flowers on the shrub and they have a fragrance that's so intoxicating. And when she blooms, it's like this whole community of delicate, um, gentle little fairies just waiting for attention. They're just, you know, pulling you in with this, with this electrum, you know, this tractor beam really. Mm. And, um, the part that I really appreciate so much about the heart connection with this shrub is that um, she's so temperature sensitive and that in winter, she really needs to be wrapped up in burlap and in order to protect her delicacy. Um, so every fall, I get to personally say goodnight by cocooning her in a blanket of burlap and waiting for her to wake up in the spring. And her medicine for me is one of self-care, a reminder to be tender and to stop myself as I'm running in and out of the front of the house to just engage in a present moment and to allow my heart and the heart of this beautiful shrub to attune to one another and to really sink into that place of acknowledgement. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Somehow it's, I, I find it, flowers just do it. You know, it just is like, it's just really easy to get there. And it is. Uh, there's, there's so many beauties opening themselves right now at this yes. moment in time. So yeah. mm -hmm, lots of reminders all around. Exactly. Exactly. It's such a beautiful reminder to, to, to continue to open our hearts despite you know, what is going on in our lives that might be difficult or challenging mm -hmm. you know, to stay in that space as much as possible while still protecting oneself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I, one of my teachers, Christina Pratt, who I've learned a lot about the heart from, um, she says that, you know, remembering that more recently we've descended from ancestors who were domesticated who taught us to domesticate the land around us. And then we domesticated our food growing methods, which relates to domesticating our bodies, domesticating our the land around us, even domesticating our own hearts. So I'm wondering, Jen, with the work that you do in the world, you know, helping people reflect deeply into their lives, you know, your sense of what does it mean to have a wild, free, undomesticated heart and you know whether it's from your own personal explorations or just themes you've watched arise in others i'd love to hear a little bit more about your observations on the power of our human hearts used well oh i love it a wild free and undomesticated heart <laughs> and this this just... goes this goes with your your theme of liberation i mean you sort of started <laughs> us off with that right right exactly oh it's like those words are like oh they just like ring through my head i love this this combination of words mm. um oh my goodness there are just so many incarnations of what this could look like um and so you know, I draw on the wisdom of our elders and also people who are facing anticipated death. And what I can share is that the common thread that I witness and I observe is um, this theme of having lived fully, like, quote, having lived fully. And having lived fully is a deeply individual journey. But the overarching theme that I hear is that our elders or the dying gave love, received love, and now feel content with how their lives have unfolded despite 
the difficulties and the challenges that they experienced and lived through. And there were so many more cultural restraints with the older generations, you know, than we have now. And, you know, that simply surviving and perhaps finding love along the way were really enough to feel like they'd fully lived. So those parameters, I feel like, were more narrow in many ways. You know, and then there's always exceptions to the rule. We look at Frida Kahlo or like some of the beat movements and, you know, you can look back in history and see those exceptions. But um, but we've really come far, I think, culturally. And these recent generations have more leeway, I think, when it comes to embodying a wild, free and an, an undomesticated heart path. There's more tolerance now to love who we love, express ourselves creatively, and to craft a life that is outside the box, so to speak. And I feel fortunate to have had the impulse from a very early age to follow my heart. Um, it, it was not always easy. And I was met with tons of judgment from my family and friends. But to me, living from a heart space that is wild, free, and undomesticated is really about following the impulses of our soul. And obviously not in a reckless way, but there is a certain level of risk that we have to take. So following those impulses and then staying open to the outcome. And I spent years following my soul impulses during my young adulthood and I learned so much about myself, you know, from my travels and from my experiences. And, you know, I ended up in Mexico. I had, you know, I suddenly I was at a firewalk on an island. I lift off grid. I bathed in hot springs. I mean, I just, I just went wherever my heart was guiding me. Um, and my heart was unfolding and my soul felt fulfilled. And to me, that was that was really engagement with life. And now that I'm older, I recognize that my soul impulses have changed and the expression of my free heart looks different. And I'm grateful for this as well, because what it means is that I get to explore more uncharted heart, heart territory. I get to explore these, you know, um, these raw, wild places within me that haven't been explored before. Yeah. And so, you know, just saying these words out loud, like the power of a human heart used well. And, and what's coming up for me is also kind of tuning back to this sense of the energetics of it, the resonance of it. And, you know, making sure that the heart gets exercised that way, you know, not just physically exercised, but it gets exercised in opening, in connecting. And this leads me to sort of my next question is sort of the exploration of the other piece of things that the heart, you know, it, it, it we hope that it wants to open, but then also sometimes in our, and you, you brought this up earlier, sort of our excessively young dominated fiery Western culture, um, you know, that the brightness and the energy of summer can sort of aggravate our addictions to busyness and sort of the norm of being fried. So, you know, this, this FOMO, this fear of missing out, just this, this franticness sometimes that can come forward this time of year. So I like to always make sure to tune into the way that the heart also has this intelligence to it, you know, practicing, having the discernment to prevent overextending and boundary leaking and sort of this over consuming that can happen when we're swept away by the enthusiasm of summer spellmaking. So I'd love to just feel in, you know, if you have any thoughts around the the calling in of some wintering in the middle of summer and you know whether sometimes i i'll just encourage people to like take naps in a dark room or you know it's like something really as simple as that but 
you know, it feels to me in your work as an end of life doula, you know, following these themes, it's only through deeply pausing sometimes in, in the dark that we, you know, reviewing our lives, um, that then we can emerge and things become richer and more purposeful. So love to just feel into that a little bit further with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, with anything there is, um, you know, alignment and death does not wait for the winter. Death does not wait for the fall. And that's not just the physical death of the body. That's really the small deaths that we um, incur on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, you know, divorce is happening or the loss of a job or, you know, moving away from a beloved home or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and it can be difficult, I think, with the rising energy of the summer, like you said, to get really wrapped up and to um, overlook the power and the potential of those small deaths to bring us deeper into ourselves, to um, you know, allow us to learn and expand and grow. And also, it's really important to continuously allow ourselves the space to grieve. You know, we can't just put grieving off for through the summer because it's summer and, you know, we want to be at the ocean and the beach and the barbecues and this and that. Um, but, um, but to really tune in to the little deaths that are happening on a daily basis and noticing them and naming them is, um, I think is really part of that balancing act that is necessary. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's also this elemental piece, right, that we can pull into the balancing act. Um, and as we've spoken to before, you know, the energy of water and the energy of earth. So specifically going back to the energy of water, um, it's such a cooling antidote to all the fire that is around us, particularly at this time of year. And, um, and so with the energy of fire, um, is the balancing of water and water supports us to process our emotions and it helps to create flow and movement with grief specifically. So really asking water to be an ally during a time of introspection, even especially when it's happening in the summer is really, really supportive. Um, I remember one summer a few years ago, I was going through something to be considered like an energetic dismemberment. And, you know, I was, I was just totally falling apart. I was an emotional wreck. I was mentally foggy. I was spiritually tapped out. And my mentor at the time prescribed a simple water ritual to help resource me during that time. And so the prescription was simply get in the water every day in some capacity to help nourish and keep your emotions flowing. And the idea was like not to like repress our emotions, but um, to create flow with them because when they stagnate in us is when we experience a sense of density or heaviness or messiness. And so it used to be that my deepest inner work occurred during the winter months, but that's actually flipped for me over the past decade. And now my summers are often anchored with water being that, that, um, that elemental antidote to some of that fiery energy that, um, that is transformative. And so also utilizing the, you know, the element of earth as well. And so earth is really that force that can help to ground the upward, outward energy of fire. And so, you know, just taking time to like lay on the earth, lift up my shirt, belly to belly, umbilical to umbilical, um, you know, gardening, going to the beach and actually burying ourselves in the sand. Those are all antidotes. I think that can keep us tethered you know, during these heightened months of fire, while we're at, 
you know, while we're simultaneously tapping in, you know, to the small deaths and the small losses that we're always going through. All of that said, it feels like a really good moment to honor um, another being whose electromagnetic field we are entirely dependent on, speaking of, the sun. So just taking a moment to honor the turning of the wheel as we arrive at this moment at the summer solstice. And I was hoping that you might lead us in a summer solstice meditation here. I would love to. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. So yeah, for your listeners, if you have a moment to just get comfortable in a position that allows your body to feel well supported, that allows your body to feel um, nourished, you know, whether that's sitting up, laying down, dancing, you know, movement is very, uh, very welcome during these drop-in meditations as a way to connect yourself to your trusted powers or whatever's coming through. So let's just take a moment here and maybe even close your eyes if you're in a position to do so. And always, I like to start by inviting the element of air deep into our lungs by taking a deep breath in. And a slow, releasing, cleansing exhale. Just allowing our nervous systems a chance to slow down. Allowing our nervous systems a moment to reconfigure in a way that is aligned a little bit slower, that's tender, and from this place of stillness, you're going to bring your awareness and your attention to your feet, wherever your feet are. Just place your consciousness with your feet. And we're going to hold a prayer for these feet for having brought you this far in your life. For all the paths they've walked. For all the hills they've climbed. Thanking these feet for the gift of bringing us to this place in our lives. And now bringing your awareness to your knees and just thanking these knees for all of the prayer that they've experienced for all of the time that they've touched the earth, for all of the forward movement they have brought into our lives. Thanking these knees. And now rising your awareness up into your pelvis. Just thanking this pelvis for being a base of support. and noticing the spine that grows out of your pelvis and thanking your spine for having so much integrity. And bringing your awareness to your abdomen and to the community of organs that is operating the best that they can. Thanking this community for their functionality. And now bringing your awareness up into your lungs, maybe taking another deep breath in, taking these lungs for breathing every day, 
for the first breath that we've taken to the last breath. Into our heart space for being our inner GPS. Thank you to this heart space for keeping a rhythm and guiding us. And to our shoulders, these shoulders that often carry the weight of the world. Thank you to these shoulders for being so broad and strong. And to our hands, for all the touch they've given, for all the art they've made, for all of their work in the world. Thank you to our hands. And to our face, Thank you to this beautiful face, to these cheeks that have had tears streaming down, to all the smiles we've smiled, to all the laughs we've laughed. Thank you to this face and to this head in this place of awareness Thank you for thinking. Thank you for receiving the cognitive downloads that come from a sacred place. And from this place of feeling aware, grounded, and centered in the sacred body, I'm going to just take a moment and reach out to your trusted powers, whatever they may be. If you have spirit guides or allies, perhaps a special plant or an animal and spirit that you connect to, or the loving power of the cosmos. take a moment and allow this connection to happen. And when you feel attuned to this trusted power, you're just going to invite it to wrap you up in a blanket of protection, just snuggling you with some security and safety so that you can feel well held in this ritual space. And so from this place of being grounded, connected and protected, Expanding upon the concept of intimacy into me, I see. You're just going to turn your attention inward. And just notice in this moment, the intimacy that you are experiencing with yourself. What does it feel like to pause and have the special moment with your soul?
And as you have the sensation, perhaps it's a feeling, it's a felt experience perhaps, you're going to take that sensation and you're going to turn it outward. You're going to expand it out in a way for your, from yourself so that it can land with something that feels very special to you in nature. Reaching out with intimacy to connect to perhaps a flower or a bug or a rock. Letting your awareness land with something that is willing to receive your invitation for intimacy. And just notice what this experience is like. Is it the same feeling of intimacy that you had with yourself? Or does it have a slightly nuanced variation? Just notice and stay open to what arises. And now with the power of the sun and this heightened solar energy as a witness, you're going to extend a blessing to this special being that you have intimacy with. What is your prayer? for this special being. And you're going to ask the special being to extend a blessing to you as well. backed by the power of the sun and this heightened energy. Allow yourself to receive the blessing from this being. And just notice what it feels like to be in a space of reciprocity, of giving and receiving. And notice if there's any sensations in your body, if there's a warmth, if your heart feels lit up, As you engage in this moment of co-creation, of relationality, and of healthy exchange. And knowing that this connection will continue to live and resonate in you 
just offer this nature being a gesture of gratitude. And offer yourself a gesture of gratitude as well for being willing to experience these moments of intimacy with self and with other. And when it feels right for you, you can just slowly begin to bring your awareness back to your space. Open your eyes when you're ready. And perhaps there is some time for you to pause and take notes if that feels right for you. Thank you, Jen. That was really beautiful. I'm feeling in my own body the expansiveness, the freedom. Liberation. Liberation. (laughs) And just, um, you know, we have so much practice as human beings in our human-centric world of um, not only thinking that everything that we're doing matters the most, But also in our loving, we think that like, you know, it's about us always projecting outwards. This was such a good practice in terms of receiving, like remembering to receive, um, remembering to ask for hope or to call in support or, I mean, these are skills I think we could just continue to, I'm speaking for myself primarily, but you know, continue like to, it's, it's a, we have so much practice in the opposite in sort of projecting ourselves out into the world, you know, but instead to practice over and over again, that, that receiving. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The image that comes to me is like a chalice, you know, like allow ourselves, our body, our being to be like a chalice and to um to not have shame in in receiving and to really allow ourselves to receive because the web wants to give i truly believe that and Mm -hmm. we are part of that we want to give as well so allowing ourselves to be resourced and nourished by our trusted powers is um Again, I think it's a radical act. It's it's like activism. <laughs> so yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Thank yeah. You. Well, I I know that you have a firewalk coming up, and I'd love, you know, if you wanted to maybe let us know a little bit more about that or anything else that any offerings you have in the near future. Yeah, thank you so much for that invitation. Um, I do have a fire walk that I'm hosting in New Hampshire, and it is June 24th. Um, I still have space available for anybody who's feeling called to the fire, and it's a full night of ceremony and ritual and um, community. So it's really, really well held. Always a wonderful, wonderful group of people that show up to commune with the fire and to transform that's what that which is not serving anymore um yeah and to be in relation with with their ancestors so i have that on the 24th of june um on july 13th i'm teaching the art of the drum journey and so that is an online class that i'm excited about Um, the drum journey is a tool that i've been using for many many years and um and so i'm excited to just uh teach the topography of what that can look like for people who are starting out or who want to expand upon their current practice. On August 2nd, I have a free discussion, what is ancestral lineage healing? So I'll be talking about the repair process that I facilitate and um, just going over what the steps of that look like and answering questions, you know, everything ancestral, it always 
proves to be a really delicious discussion. And that is a free online, um, free online offering as well. And then um, finally, in the fall, I have a bigger series that's happening called Dreaming into Death. And this is where we use meditation and reflective prompts to uh, craft a death care directive for ourselves, which really encompasses um, how we want the end of our life to look like, whether it's anticipated or sudden death. So what do you want your funeral to look like? How would you like your body disposed? What are some of the rituals and ceremonies that you'd like pulled into those um, into those spaces? Are you interested in green burial or are you wanting to go through the element of fire with cremation? So we explore those topics so that um, so that people can create a document that is laid out and very specific so that loved ones know exactly what to do. And there isn't a scrambling to try to figure out last minute what that person who passed would have wanted. So those are a few things that are on the horizon. Oh, really exciting. That's yes. great. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for being willing to wander into these musings of the heart with me. And it's not always, you know, there's a lot of complexity there as our hearts are, you know, meant to hold a lot and to feel a lot of, um, to, to be able to fully expand and, you know, they're, they're meant to hold all that complexity. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. And thank you so much for having me again. It is always a joy to be with you. And I wish you such a blessed solstice. You as well. Yes. Just praising the season right now. It is, it is really, um, it's just, it's short and precious and gorgeous. So yeah. Thank you so much, Kendra. Well, much gratitude to everyone listening here with us for spending this time with us as well. And if there was anything that moved you or felt particularly a benefit to you, please do consider supporting the show with a review or subscribing to the podcast ongoingly. And may we just continue to discover new ways while also remembering old ways of relating and being in kinship as we continue to bring an open-armed adoration and devotion for this wild earth. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.